0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Bind Lises podcast. My name is Bilal Malik, and I'd like to welcome in my co-hosts, Trenton Seto and Tom Gorski. How are hey. you guys doing today?
1: Hey, 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 I'm back. Yeah, and, we missed you uh, last time. Yeah, I know. The technical, uh... the
0: technical wizard. If anyone tuned into our live studio recording last week, you uh, probably heard my... Uh, uh, in, uh, in capabilities of doing the soundboard. But I'm learning. Trenton, nah, Trenton's been I, teaching me.
1: I think it sounded great. Uh, I think maybe next time we hop in the studio, I'm going to stick you over there again and I can be in the corner. <laughs> no, you got to take over. As Tom noticed
0: that I was struggling. We started the show probably 10 minutes late, too. Because of my. Like, but we'll get there at some point. But no, you got to take your seat back.
1: <laughs> yeah, well... It'll be uh, it'll be good to step back in the studio, but uh, Tom, how you doing?
2: I'm doing good. Um, a lot of football news, a lot of football news. So um, I'm always in a good mood when this time of year, especially with off season. I'm an off season guy. Um, it's, it's my Christmas. So uh, you know, I'm just excited to keep talking about football and uh, got a lot to talk about today. So I say let's let's just get ready to go.
1: All right. All right, all right, man. Uh,
0: so do you guys ever remember a time in your life where there wasn't a guy playing quarterback for either the New England Patriots or the Tampa Buccaneers
1: named Tom Brady? Who's that? Oh, you've never heard of him? <sighs> I, I don't believe so. Uh, is Is he like that one kind of scrawny-looking draft pick from – like a late round somewhere, or you nah, know, I don't know. Next if I round. remember him 199th overall. Ah, uh, yeah, he, he's not gonna make it, he's never gonna make it in this league.
0: No, nope. never. <laughs> well, I don't know what guy you're talking about, Trenton. Because the guy I'm talking about, he's also named Tom Brady, but he just retired from, in the, from the NFL after 22 seasons as a quarterback of the New England Patriots and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this this individual here has won seven Super Bowls and countless MVPs, and now he is no longer playing, which I never thought this day would come.
2: Yeah, you know, it's uh the sad day, uh I would say for me is uh, I'm a really big Brady guy. Um it's just you know, it's kind of tough because you know, like he's been around my whole life. You know, we're never going to see anyone greater than him. I, It's just, just the way the salary cap is. No one's going to win seven Super Bowls. Um, it's, you know, it's it's tough because he's he's just so good. Like, wherever he goes, he's just a winner. He's a motivator. You can't count him out. Always putting the chip on his shoulder. Um, it's just going to be really weird not being able to see him next year, knowing that there's a slight chance this guy's probably going to be in the Super Bowl, no matter where he plays. Um, you know, I'm guessing this is how a lot of Bulls fans felt back in the day when Jordan left. But, uh, you know, it's time. Um, he proved that even at 44 years old, he's still the best. Um, so I think he's, I think he wants to go out on top. He doesn't want to have a whole Peyton Manning situation where that's the last thing you remember of Manning not even being able to throw the ball 10 yards down the field. And you're being, Manning, gifted. Manning you're won, being Manning, gifted a second Super Bowl. So uh Manning it's really still to
0: go out though in a Super Bowl win now. Uh, that was the perfect moment. For yeah, you yeah, know, well, he did.
2: And uh Brady, I mean, he, he did the best he could. He tried coming back um from twenty seven to three or whatever it was. He nearly came back until the defense let him down. And I do think he'd be playing in in the Super Bowl today or into in about a week or so from now if the defense just did their job, but uh it's not what happened. And I think Brady's career is just unbelievable. And it's I don't know if his those records will ever be broken. He owns every record. He has the most Super Bowls in history. He has the most wins in history. Um it's gonna be a long time until someone even gets close to him at this point.
1: Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, it's it's gonna be a long time until we see a a wide receiver like Tom Brady who's going to end his career now as the the holder of the second most yards for a a player that turned 40 (laughs) years old uh holds the record behind number he's at number two behind uh, the legendary Jerry Rice with one catch for six yards (laughs) and uh above third place which is Brett Favre with one catch for negative two yards so I mean that's a that's another record I think might not be broken for a long time. No. Um,
0: yeah, Tom Brady's been playing court, playing in the NFL, or been in the NFL, I should say, since before I was born. I mean, I, he was drafted in what it was probably, I'm assuming, March or April of 2000. That's usually when the draft time is, unless the early 2000s had a really good yeah, schedule. Well,
2: yeah, it was April 2000 or. 1999?
0: 2002. I know it was 2000. I just uh, didn't uh, know what month. Um, yeah, so it, April 2000 is a draft pick, and I was born in uh, December of that year. So, so he was already put in the league before I was born. So just to see him um, – and I was probably too young to even remember his first three Super Bowls. I like how we put it so casually, the first three Super Bowls. Um, and then he comes back and he loses two of them to the same team uh, with the Giants and Eli Manning. And then he wins it for the first time in such a long time with the Seahawks, against the Seahawks. On that, like a uh, game. on that Malcolm Butler last second interception and then, and then you see him back like a year later, wins it again. Uh, it's like uh, it's, you always expect to, when you think of people who should be in championships or who you expect to be in championships. Uh, the name Tom Brady always comes to mind, and uh, I mean, just to not be with focusing on Super Bowls, the guy was a three-time MVP. He was in the Pro Bowl countless times as well. Um, just he won, show. won Super Bowl
2: MVP five times. I mean, he was just, he was, he, he's just a winner. That's all we knew how to do was win. You can never count him out. Um, I believe all sevens, or besides last year's Super Bowl, he has like six game-winning drives in the Super Bowl or something. Like every single Super Bowl win, he's had like a game-winning drive or game-winning um, touchdown. Because I, I, Besides like the Malcolm Butler one, that was the last second one. But before that, he led them downfield to score um under like five minutes so I mean it's shit we're just never I don't think we're ever going to see anyone that just is going to win as much as him a man a guy who could just win with literally like nothing around him offensively because there were some years I mean Brady's never really had like um like say like Mahomes has like a Tyreek Hill and and all these guys where it's like you have multiple weapons around the field it was pretty much only Gronk and a bunch of guys who would be third Spring wide receivers on many teams. Uh, He event you know, Wes Welker was a guy he helped develop. He had a good connection with. Um, Deion Branch was another guy. I mean, the one time he had a great guy was Randy Moss, and Moss had 23 receiving touchdowns that season in 2007. So it was great. Um, And then I'll never forget Julian Edelman. Uh, Not many people know this, but Julian Edelman wasn't even a receiver when he was drafted out of Kent State.
0: He was a quarterback.
2: Quarterback. And Brady thought he would be a really nice slot receiver, so him and Belichick moved him to receiver. Um, Brady had a bond with him, and eventually Julian Edelman became one of the best slot receivers in the last decade, um, just Mr. Reliable. And uh, it just showed, I mean, Brady could work with anyone. It doesn't matter. You, he could be missing everyone on the field. No offensive line. No, I mean, this guy just got it done. And uh, I, just, I don't think we're going to see anything like that and uh it's just a little bittersweet and a little tough to swallow knowing that not gonna see him on the field next season or going forward because no one has that no one has that drive that he had that chip on his shoulder every single year this guy could just literally everything could be going fine they're like 12 and 0 13 and 0 and he'll still find a way to motivate himself to thinking we're it's still not good enough and just take him to the promised land. He did it with the Bucks. The Bucks were losing his franchise in sports history before he took over. So they had like the lowest winning percentage in sports. And he brought them to a Super Bowl in his first year during a pandemic. Um, really showed Belichick. So, I mean, there's just a lot to admire about Brady. And uh, the league will never be the same without him.
0: Yeah. And for those, um, we're trying to dissect his statement. Did not find any Patriots reference in there. He did reach out and congratulate. I mean, um, and uh, mention the Patriots in subsequent posts. It just wasn't in his initial response. And he, and if I'm not mistaken, he probably did when he originally left New England. He did. He did make a big yeah. So he made a big statement and everything. So this is more like. Um, What I've been seeing is that this is more of his time with the Bucs and just his career in general. And uh, But, of course, the Patriots are the team he started his career with, and he became who he was because of Bill Belichick and the Patriots and Robert Kraft taking the chance on him. And he just decided to become the best person and player to that has ever played the game of football. And like you said, both of you, There probably will never be another player like him in the history of this game, and if there is, it probably won't be for a long time. And I don't think he's stepping away from the game, the game, on its own for a while. I think he will find some way to remain active, whether that be somehow through broadcasting or or through some other venture that is connected to uh, football as a whole. I don't think Tom Brady's the type of person to. Like a Brett Favre type who will just now retire to his home in Mississippi and just stay there and only show up every once in a while yeah. on Super Bowl time to provide analysis or something. I think Brady will obviously spend more time with his family, which is amazing. Good for him. Taking and his kids are at the right age where they can still spend that time and quality family time with him, and uh, he's also. Done so much in his career that he can take the step back. He doesn't need this anymore. Uh, he's just yeah. You
2: know, I'm not sure if he's going to get into broadcasting like some of the other guys. No, but if if, he's making a money on, off the TB12 diet and program off the side. He also so did make,
0: just launch his own clothing brand. He just launched it recently. His own clothing brand. So I'm saying he's going to be in some capacity still connected to the game. It just remains to see. Uh, when is that's going to be trenton when's the book coming out like when do you have your interviews lined up you're writing with brady you your contact his agent yet
1: uh i am predicting that tom brady will move into the front office somewhere and follow a similar row as as a uh, john elway perhaps imagine that brady managing like
0: i don't know yeah brady. i don't know about that You know,
2: I, I actually think he's going to step away from the game for a while. Not because, um, not, not because he like, um, I think is, I I think he loves the game too much because he said multiple times that it hurts him like to watch the game, knowing he could be better. That like, he's better than some of these guys on the field. Um, because I still think Brady has at least two good years left in him. I think this is more so a kind of like a family decision, like, you know, it's time. The kids are at this age. The wife's tired. Giselle's tired of seeing them get hit over and over and over again. So, I mean, Tony Romo said, "Don't be shocked if Brady does come back."
0: No, but Maybe if you um, you're wrong. Taking Trenton's idea right there, right, going the Elway route. Elway retired in like '99. He didn't become a GM until like 2011. That's like almost over 10, 11 years since that happened. So, I mean, at some point down the road, he could be a GM, I think, or something of that nature.
2: he might purchase a team. I wouldn't be shocked if he had enough like people involved or he could buy a team. What yeah.
1: if what if he bought the Broncos like <laughs> cuz they're on sale right now, right?
2: Hey man, hey, I mean Manning's trying to buy them, so I mean there's no reason Brady, you know, couldn't overshadow Manning once again.
1: Hold up. Like 50 50 50 ownership split between Manning and Brady. For the Broncos, <laughs>
2: that dang, be, that would be funny. I just think Brady has just so much going for him outside of football that I just I, I think he's gonna step away from the game for, for good. Like, if anything, he might be maybe he'll get like a maybe he'll get like a show like kind of like the Manning cast where maybe it'll be like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Like everyone knows like that was like the rivalry, but they also like uh they they went each other against golf or they actually have like a really good relationship. So I won't be shocked. Maybe they had some type of like Monday night football show on Amazon or something, because there's a lot of things going on Amazon right now. So, I mean, he's just got so much going for him with the TV 12 diet, the clothing brand, Um, Giselle, who's like a supermodel and businesswoman. So, I mean, there's there's money coming in where it's just like I think he might just need a break from the game for a while, maybe down the line. But I, I, I would expect to hear Brady kind of just stay quiet for the next few years. Unless he comes back. Tony Romo did say that he won't be shocked if he pulls a Jordan where he just needed a mental break from the game for a while.
0: So I'm going to leave you – we're on the money track here, right? I'm going to leave you with this one um, last point, is that there's a headline here from CNBC saying that Tom Brady retires as the highest-earning NFL player of all time, like, currently. like So, like – that will be he, broken quickly. So he played 22 seasons, right? He made a career earnings 293 million and the second closest is Drew Brees who played 20 seasons at 269.7 million. So how much,
2: how much did Brady make? Sorry.
0: 293 million over his entire career.
2: And the thing J- Josh Allen last offseason signed a 250 plus million dollar deal.
0: Well, well,
2: yeah, obviously, five hundred
0: million dollar deal. Those guys. He, the era you can't compare those guys. Yeah, now. Yeah. The era, the era of doing things, is obviously much different. But just to see where he ends up. Um, I, actually, I want one last point, and we don't have to go into such in-depth discussion right now because it's just speculation. But what do you guys both think about if Aaron Rodgers was to retire? Do you think this influences him at all? Because like. Brady's going the Hall of Fame in five years, first ballot, no matter what. So many people are retiring this year who are potentially Hall of Famer on the first ballot. Yeah. Do you think that ego gets to them and be like, I'm going to wait one year just so I can retire um, this uh, next year? Because I know this one guy is going to make it. So just to zero improve percent. my chances.
2: Yeah, there, I think there's a 0% chance Aaron Rodgers retires. He, he, Rodgers has such a big ego. That he that he when he retires, he wants to know that he's the top dog in that discussion where he's the unanimous one, or he's gonna get overshadowed by Brady. Rodgers won't do that. I think when he does retire, um, I think he'll wanna be there. He won't wanna be with Ben Roethlisberger, with Tom Brady as Sean Brayton Sean Brayton, too. Yeah. Um, but uh I, he, you know
0: me. I got my issues with Sean Payton. Well, you do. Burms, that's not to say he's not a Hall of Fame coach in the world. And still, I, I think he has a good chance of potentially. Yeah,
2: I just don't um, think he stays retired. I I just I think he comes back next season.
0: Yeah, so. Trenton, you missed a good
1: discussion on that last week. Yeah. I was, uh, that was uh, <laughs> yelling at the radio. <laughs> 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 discussion with the radio. Nobody could hear me.
2: <laughs> What's your thoughts on Sean Payton?
1: Oh, he's a oh, great, okay.
2: low-class citizen. Plays <laughs> the game with integrity.
1: Uh, he's he's put some good teams together, and I think, like you said, I don't think he's done. He'll be back. He'll be back. After he'll be a bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on that note, on that note, speaking of good teams, we have a new team in the NFL. Which is not really new, but the Washington football team is now known as the Washington Commanders. So they're not playing football anymore, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I don't think they ever did play football, but uh
1: Oh oh, okay. <laughs> except yeah. I do
0: except I do like Ron Rare though. So I don't want to make too much um on that. But they are still owned by Daniel Snyder and he's his own messes <laughs> we all know but i don't yeah. think this he's is in legal, legal issues, issues again again yes is he ever not in legal issues
2: apparently he uh he was uh he had his hand on at a dinner on like the thigh of like a cheerleader trying to go further and it was just yeah, another uh, allegation um, against
0: him. yeah we yeah. can spend like forever talking about that guy but today we're going to be dedicating it to the washington commanders so first of all, thoughts on the name, guys. I actually grew fond of the Washington football team over the past two years, but uh now we're now it's the commanders.
1: It was name? Uh, yeah, I I forgot who it was. They did like a a video a while back where they had one of their players like rating potential names, and that player rated commanders as all the way at the bottom. I forgot who it was.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the whole commanders thing got leaked a few days back off, like, Twitter. There was, like, a picture someone took outside the stadium, and it showed, like, the Washington commanders on it. So, yeah, they're very secretive about all of this, for sure. Uh, it's a name. I mean, it's better than Washington football team, I guess. Uh, it, it's still a name, but uh, I don't think it's going to transition to any better play on the field. There's ownership. Uh, Ron Rivera is doing the best he can, but there's not much help he's getting from everyone all around. They still got to find a quarterback. So um, hopefully the new commander's name will lead to them landing uh, a signal caller that could take them
0: to the promised land. They got a really good team.
1: It was, um, what was it? Uh there was an article that I saw from I think a a golf website or something, and it was titled "The Washington Commander's Name Leaked more times than the pipes at FedEx Field." <laughs> going back to the time when it, that's funny. It, it sprayed their fans with rainwater or something, but
0: yeah, it's um sewage a sewage remember sewage
1: we had a we had, we had an had episode, a, episode titled that yeah. Oh man. Well, it's good for them. They finally have their name. They're not just known as football team. Like some uh some game out of some game without an NFL license. <laughs> All right. Uh well, let's uh let's move on to the next topic, which is uh something that is near and dear to your heart, Tom.
2: Yeah. This one hurts. Um,
1: yeah. Jim Harbaugh. Out. Yeah.
2: Um, you know, the Vikings really screwed. But he, he, Harbaugh overplayed his hand big time. Uh, you know, he came into the Vikings interview um, expecting to take the job. You know, he thought the job was his. Um, he said his goodbyes at Michigan midweek. Um, he gave his assistants uh, paid time off on starting Wednesday. And then uh, he came in on, you know, he came in on national signing day to interview with the Vikings. And uh, he really just overplayed his hand because, you know, he came in expecting to sign the deal according to multiple reports. And what happened was he came in and the Vikings, you know, like, I guess, like a good organization does is they did it the right way. You know, they didn't give him any special treatment. You know, they traded it. They treated him in his interview process the exact same way as they did uh, Patrick Graham Kevin O'Connell and who uh, was uh, they interviewed someone else. I mean it's, it's been a lot to handle as a week as a Vikings fan because you know it's really tough to, to personally um, Jim Har- you just hired Jim Harbaugh he's Jim Harbaugh he's 44 19 and one as a head coach in the NFL he coached for four years for San Francisco 49ers. He went to three NFC championship games in, in a Super Bowl, three of his four years. He would have been in two Super Bowls if he would have just, if Kyle Williams wouldn't have muffed the punt his very first season in San Francisco. He took a team that's six and 10, or yeah, six and 10, and couldn't even talk to the players or get into the facility to practice due to the lockout. It took him to 13 and three. This guy wins wherever he goes. He turned the whole Stanford team around, he turned San Diego State around. He turned Michigan around. So, I mean, personally, as a Vikings fan, this is a very tough pill to swallow. uh, Knowing that you said no to Jim Harbaugh and it wasn't the other way around, um, that you could have landed a coach who arguably would be a top five coach in the league right away. Um, So, but now I do think he's staying in Michigan for good because, I mean, he called them after. According to reports, he called them and basically said, do you still want me? And they were elated that he he wanted to come back. So I think now he kind of realized that he's not, like, top like like he once was. That maybe he, um, you know, he thinks he's more better than he actually is. But uh, the Vikings, I definitely think, screwed him over in a way. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. And uh, they hired Kevin O'Connell over him. So I got to give that guy – got to give him a chance. But, um, yeah, Jim Harbaugh to the NFL – I uh, I think he's got to do damage control at Michigan right now. And I think the NFL is the last thing on his mind going forward and that he's done unless it's just an opportunity. You just cannot say no to going forward because when you're 58 years old, it's pretty much now or never for his return to the NFL. And, you know, he didn't get the job. So it looks like it's never.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the grass was not greener on the other side for him. I think
0: uh, the thing with Harbaugh, first of all, when the reports came out that Harbaugh had gotten the job or something, Tom was so excited. He, <laughs> oh man, I remember getting a text from him earlier yeah, this week. in Michigan. He's taking the job. He said
2: his goodbyes.
0: And I was always like, I was never sure about it. That's why I didn't want to comment on anything with Tom. I'm like, we'll just wait and see because I had. See with me in anything until something is officially official. I will not like. I need. I need the official people who are doing this stuff to make an announcement, not uh, just because I couldn't find it anywhere outside of the one source that Tom had sent me. So it's. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait just a little bit here before saying something, and I think the one thing with Harbaugh. And I think that's why he didn't even interview with the Bears job was because um, you need stability in an organization. And we didn't know, at least in my view and what I've been reading, is that most teams, they didn't know where Harbaugh would be in a certain time. Like, is he here for a year, two years, three years? If another opportunity comes, is he going to leave or take that? Not to say that anyone who has a better opportunity ever come to them should not take it. You should always take every opportunity you're getting. But I'm seeing, like, for a team, like, uh, speaking like the Bears, have a rookie quarterback was trying to develop him, they need a guy who's going to be there for, for, for some time to try to get the most out of him and not a guy who's going to jump ship, even though Harbaugh was a great coach. Um, I wanted him, as Trenton knew, I wanted him for the Bears job in the beginning, but then kind of like over time, I kind of like got off of that uh, that track, and it would be um, better if he would did not come here. And I think he's taken the best decision for him at this time, which uh, is good for him. Stick to stick to what you think is best. And I mean, the job came up, he went into it, and it didn't pan out. He's going to come back to what he's been doing for the past few years, and he's had success at it. So. He's going to continue having success. And he has much more at stake in Michigan, cause especially because he went there as a student and he played there. And so just more of a connection that he would probably have had in a place like uh, Minnesota and just a lot more work to do. In Michigan, he already has the framework set up that he's been building over the course of the past few years. So,
2: Yeah, there would have been a doing. lot of pressure to win in Minnesota knowing that Rogers is probably leaving. I mean, the Vikings would have easily been the top dogs of the NFC North um, with Harbaugh in charge, but there, ultimately there was just too many questions um, when Vikings ownership and their search committee was talking to him, you know, he, he came in just, you know, ready to sign the contract and Vikings, they were prepared to sit six hours or so. Ask him what happened in San Francisco, you know, why do you, why do you only last a few years at a job and then leave? you know cuz Harbaugh's been known like he wear, he wears people out like his presence in buildings in organizations it's eventually like he's good for the first few years and then eventually he just he just wears you down and ultimately i think the vikings just realize there's too many question marks here and they're going to think long term cuz you know Kevin O'Connell is he's 36 years old and their GM's 41 years old so I think they ultimately decided to go with the long-term plan. And Harbaugh understood that. And I think when there was the report that something happened at 3 o'clock that took a left turn, um, I'm guessing that's when both parties realized that just this just was not a fit. And, you know, they went their separate ways. Harbaugh went back to Michigan, called the AD, and now we're here. And uh, hard to imagine him coming back to the league after this, after being scrutinized all over um, nationally because you don't interview on national signing day if you're not t- getting the job. And I just think that's why he overplayed his hand. And uh, he's got, a, th- at this point now, with spring ball around the corner for Michigan, um, it's just all about damage control for him going forward. The NFL should be the last thing on his mind.
0: Well said. Um, Trenton, how is that our law degree going?
1: uh it's uh not going anywhere at the moment. <laughs> is there a need for it?
0: <laughs> well, there is a new lawsuit on the books here, and I thought we could use your legal expertise here um former former dolphins head coach Brian Flores has sued the n f l and uh multiple teams alleging that they have racist hiring practices so which is not the first time the NFL has been accused of this. And considering how Mike Tomlin is the only black head coach currently in the NFL, um, there is a lot of work that still needs to be done. And I think Brian Flores bringing this lawsuit is a step in the right direction. So, uh, yeah, you might want to hit the books and get that degree so you can study the case. But continue the podcast. Don't leave that. (laughs)
1: Um,
2: Yeah, you know, this is a very ugly look for the NFL um, Knowing that Steven Ross was allegedly paying um, Offering Flores, Flores didn't take it $100,000 for a loss during his first season Uh, Because, you know, he he wanted to tank for Tua He wanted that number one overall pick Which then ultimately led to him wanting Joe Burrow Um, It's just not a good look And I think um, this is a really big deal Considering that Flores was texting Bill Belichick, and he gets a text saying, congrats on the job, Bill, this, this, and that. He was talking about (laughs) Dable over Flores, and Flores still didn't even interview yet. So he went into the interview when they already made their mind – like, they already had their mind made up.
0: And so, it's wrong. And and going on a text message, if you read Flores' response, he mentions in it how he thinks he has a good chance of getting the job. Like, he was – legitimately interested and he's saying that he thinks and then he finds out from bill belichick that they've already agreed to and i it's a it's an honest mistake by belichick right he probably didn't know that before had an interview no i think it is
2: no nah, uh no i i agree with you it's just I, oh, um, okay. I saw some, yeah i saw someone say on social media saying you know i wonder if this is bill belichick getting back at the nfl for deflate gate kind of no. as like a joke. I was like, man, that would be someone Belichick would do.
0: But, no. but I'm saying, like, it's an honest mistake. He probably he probably assumed Flores. I mean, again, how much do you think another NFL head coach is paying attention to the interview process of other teams? He probably just heard the news and wanted to sincerely congratulate the guy and just happened to text the wrong person. I mean, Brian Flores and Brian dable they're probably not that far off in your contact list probably one or two off if you have another Brian in there or depending how you actually have your contacts organized. That's another story, but um, uh, just an honest mistake. And just you feel, you feel for the guy too in that moment. Just imagine that for any job. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. And wait, I didn't even interview and they're going with someone else. It's like,
2: Yeah, you know, this happens a lot with the NFL where every coach or every organization has the guy they want, but they still have to interview a certain number of candidates before. And then you got to do the whole Rooney rule where you got to interview two African American coaches.
0: And there's a possibility that a new candidate emerges, even if you didn't officially, I mean, didn't necessarily go with him in the beginning. That could happen in any situation. Your mind can be changed based off of something they said and your priorities of who you want can obviously shift, but yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, there needs to be more African American coaches in the league and the Vikings and bears did a really good job by hiring two African American GMs, you know, because before there weren't that many GMs in the league besides like Chris Greer, I believe. So, I mean, the bears and Vikings, you know, they're all about diversity and now, just there needs to be more coaches. Um, I still, you know, I know a lot of people want Eric Bieniemy to see him as a coach. I just, I know he's interviewing with the Saints, but I don't think he's ever going to get that opportunity. There's just too many questions with his background and legal issues. And Flores, I always thought wouldn't get a head coaching job just because, again, he's got a lot of baggage as well. He's been known to be very difficult to work with. Um, you know, old school mentality, and the league's kind of getting away from that. So it's hard because I I think Flores does have a case here, but I, I also do think that he's frustrated that he's also not getting a head coaching job based off his back-to-back winning seasons.
0: So Well, he deserves it, it, it too. I mean, he deserves a, a coaching job, especially taking the Dolphins from where they were at the beginning of the season and putting them in a prime position for a playoff run. Um,
2: absolutely. People, um,
0: people would have, people would have given up, after 1-7, and seven, but he stuck in there, which is kind of like when you were mentioning uh, what Steven Ross has wanted him to do in tanking. Like, he could have easily tanked the rest of the way, but he just shows the type of coach he is. So he's not – he's there to win. He's, he doesn't care about draft choice or anything like that. He wants to win. I mean, that's what you want in a coach.
2: Yeah, you know, that's what you were hired for. Um, you know, I think Flores is a very good uh, football mind. And, um, again, you know, being a coach, it's not just about coaching. You need to be able to relate to the players as well, and I know that's what he struggled with. So maybe that's another thing that kind of made the Giants go a different direction. So, but um, it's going to be interesting as we go forward and see how the case evolves and what actually comes out, because if it's true that John Elway didn't take the interview seriously in 2019 and he showed up, like, hungover, and, you know, he just didn't really take it seriously an hour and a half late, even though he came out and denied all of it. Um, It's still a bad look. And it time, only time will tell of what's actually real. But I do think it's going to be hard for Flores to get a job now. And I, I think he's come to terms with that, knowing that's why he's pursuing the suit, because he probably knew he wasn't going to get a job anyway. So what does he have to lose? And um, I, And I hope that he gets what he... Like, I hope he gets, like the results that you want and, and if it's true that all of these teams did do this allegedly um steven rosh you have to sell the team you know he should be removed as an owner there's no reason for that um the broncos are they're they're already selling so there's probably going to be new ownership and new management anyway and uh the giants one's tough because i think brian dable was the best candidate anyway and I would have hired Dable 10 times out of 10 over Flores, not think twice. But um, if they didn't respect his interview and at least give him a fair chance, then you need some type of punishment. And uh, it's time. The NFL's got to change. So if Flores is going to be the man leading that way, then um, I'll be right behind him, right, right by his side.
0: I'm going to be leading the charge. <laughs> um,
1: any any uh, last points or before we move on? No, I think, uh, I think both of you summed it up and uh, I, I'm right with both of you. Honestly, I don't think I have anything else to add other than that, you know, the fact that there's only one black NFL coach right now is basically impossible. Like if you were to randomize it, it's impossible. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, um, you know, I mean, Byron Lefwich had the Jaguars job. <laughs> you know, he just took his name out of the running because they wouldn't fire Trent Baalke. So I know a lot of people were very upset with the whole um, Doug Peterson hiring. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, if Lefwich took his name out of the job, he can't really blame the Jaguars for that.
1: Right. And, uh, I mean, why don't we go into that now, now that there's more uh, head coaching news, so – like you said, the Jaguars have hired Doug Peterson as their next head coach, and it's, uh, it's an interesting move. Um, I mean, obviously, he's an experienced head coach. He's, he's brought a team to the Super Bowl and won. So they're hoping that he can do the same uh, with Trevor Lawrence that he did with Carson Wentz once upon a time.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is this this hire alone right here. um, This is all about Trevor Lawrence to me in developing him the right way. And Peterson's a former Super Bowl winning head coach. He's, you know, he's he's like he's one of two coaches that have beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. So I mean, that's pretty impressive resume there alone. So um, but no, this is a really good hire. Um, after the whole Urban Meyer situation, um, it's just time to find stability in Jacksonville, and that's what Doug Peterson will bring you. Um, they're also going to be hiring, I believe, Rick Spielman, the former Vikings GM, as like an executive vice president of football operations. So there's going to be a lot of like stability kind of going on in Jacksonville. And uh, Peterson is the guy, I think, to lead the way. I think he's a good candidate. Again, I know a lot of people are very upset. Um, I saw him he got hired last night on Twitter. A lot of big time accounts were like, oh, another white hire. But I mean, Leftwich took his name out of the conversation. because like I thought Leftwich had, had this job in the bag. Job was offered to him from everything I heard, and, but he, again, he wanted to bring Adrian Wilson as GM and they wanted to turn Balky fired and they would not fire Balky. So eventually uh, as time went on, um, Peterson was just named head coach and left, which took his name out of
0: the running. It's definitely an interesting name to have resurfaced after a year or two away. And maybe I mean you usually see when coaches are gone for a year or two they do come back with a fresh perspective after sitting out for so long and the entire situation in Jacksonville as we've been discussing over the course of this season has been a mess from the beginning with to to begin with I mean you don't fire your head coach like with like twelve games twelve thirteen games into the season after just hiring him for the first time I mean unless he's Urban Meyer and you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. That happens, but um, no, it's um been very interesting. And then what you guys mentioned about how this is a solely Trevor Lawrence type uh, developmental move. Which, I mean, he got the most out of Nick Foles at one point. So it's just saying that he can. I oh, would
2: love Nick Foles being brought back there, just like a veteran <laughs> to sit behind Lawrence.
0: Take his take his contract and take him.
1: Yes, please. Uh-huh.
2: You know, this is a move. You know, I, I'm a big Doug Peterson guy. And, you know, this is who I thought the Bears should have hired in the first place to help develop Justin Fields. Um, Peterson has a very strong resume when it comes to working with quarterbacks. And I'm a I'm a big fan. He's he's a very bright offensive mind. It's just is the question gonna be is is he gonna bump heads with management in Tran Balky like he did with Howie Roseman in Philadelphia towards the end, because so I think that's because I, I think Peterson would have been one of the first coaches off the board if he didn't have um, those um, issues holding over his head. So I, I just think that's the biggest question going forward when it comes to Peterson, because I think he's a good hire, He's a very good football coach, but is he going to be able to get along with the front office and draft picks of who's making the picks? You know, because he he wants full control and he's not going to get that with Balky in there. So maybe he's my one. He took the year off. He kind of did enough research and built, you know, he built up his uh, his mind and how to uh, how to really handle a team as a whole. I mean, he, he, he wrote an article about how to build a perfect quarterback room. So, I mean, this guy knows what – he's a very smart football mind. Oh, I just think he needs to get a little bit better on the human side of things and how to relate to players, coaches, and front office and really uh, be collaborative.
0: There's a stat here saying that in um three of his eight seasons as a offensive coordinator or head coach, his offenses are ranked in the top ten. So uh I don't know. Are we to know, Are we gonna be seeing Jackson putting up like 50 points a game now?
1: Every week to week to week. It might uh might take a little bit. It might take a little bit of time first. You're know, gonna a receiver, <laughs> Chris
0: Godwin. Doesn't have to go far. Um, we shall see where this came. this broke last night. So again, we're with all these head coaching stuff and GMs. We're sitting in January, or not not January. We're sitting in February, and we're just making judgments on who's good who's bad based off of purely. Speculation and what they've done in the past. So we'll just have to see with that. And Jacksonville, uh, uh,
1: Jacksonville plays away at the Eagles this year, which means uh, Doug Peterson will have to go back to the Eagles, and he'll get to see boom. his bronze statue that's sitting outside of the stadium. It's coming home. <laughs> maybe we'll yeah. take him. Maybe we'll take it with him. Or he'll get a replica made. Make it the Jaguar special. Oh, can you imagine if he, just for that game, he calls that same play? The Philly special. He calls it again. Oh, man.
2: Yeah, so um, I guess think of the whole uh, Brian Dable signing with the Giants. We talked a little bit about that earlier, but, uh, you know, he, he got the job. So uh, what do we think about it? Um, personally, I think it's a great hire. He was the best offensive mind available and he simply took that job because of Daniel Jones. He believes he could get the best out of Daniel Jones. There's a lot of weapons there. You got Jones, you got Barkley, Kadarius, Tony, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. I mean, there's so many weapons on offense that, you know, they've really been underwhelming over the past few seasons, simply just due to bad coaching. And Dable was a finalist for the Chargers job last year. Um, you know, so I would say this job is well deserved. And I think he's gonna do a really good job there as Daniel Jones. He's gonna view it as his miniature Josh Allen. You know, both have raw talent, they have the ability to move with their legs and they can make plays. So if any if this is Daniel Jones's last chance, it's like his third coach. So I mean, if you can't get it done with Brian Dable, then you're you're probably gone, man. And they're gonna look for someone else.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, when I look at Daniel Jones, I do see that kind of Josh Allen, uh, just physical traits and abilities, um, even if Daniel Jones can't always stay on his feet all the time. But, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a good choice. Um, I'm excited to see what that offense can do this year.
0: I mean, like you just said, they're the tangibles are all there for Daniel Jones, right? He's got a big arm. He can run. It's just the little things, the decision-making, the footwork, the decisiveness, and uh, throwing the ball. That's been the issues, some of the issues. And it's also when you get as many coaches as he's had in such a short amount of time, we were talking about this with Harbaugh earlier, consistency in everything is key. And when you have so much turnover in such a short amount of time, that does something to a player. And if Dable is the guy that can start getting, like really tapping into that well of talent that is sitting there in New York right now, if he taps into that and is able to figure something out that everyone else couldn't, then Daniel Jones could easily become a much, much better quarterback than what he has been. New York. The New York Giants in general could be a much better team. And there will be consistency with that team because that team needs consistency. I mean, they had Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin, Coughlin for so long. And Considering, I and mean, they had their ups and downs and stuff, those two still produced two Super Bowls and they were there together for a long time and they were consistent. They were um you know, together and they worked. So they haven't had that type of consistency with the Giants in so long. And this is probably the right step in the right direction to restoring that, even though it has taken so long to tap into that potential. But it's there. It just needs to be used by the right person. Um we mentioned this earlier, but uh the Rams, not the not the Rams. The Vikings hired the Rams as OC Kevin O'Connell. Tom, you are the residence Viking expert. I know you talked about it a little bit, but we'll let you put in your two cents here for yeah.
2: I um, you know, I mean, after the whole Harbaugh thing is nothing is official until it's official, uh, you know, so he still could change his mind because this deal can't be finalized until after the Super Bowl because O'Connell is the offense coordinator for the Rams and they're currently in the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, he's young. He's 36, maybe 37 years old. Um, the Sean McVay tree has been phenomenal over the past few years. You got Michael Floor from the Packers. You got Brandon Staley from the Chargers. You got Zach Taylor for the Bengals, who's now going against McVay in Super Bowl. And now you have Kevin O'Connell. So, I mean, the tree is there. It's it's already better than the Belichick tree. And McVay's only been in the league for five years. But um, it's a really good uh, – I think it's a really good hire. It shows the team's looking long-term. O'Connell has – you know, he gets a lot of credit. Um. Yeah, you know, O'Connell gets a lot of credit. They're saying he designs all of the Rams plays, you know, McVay makes the calls, but Kevin O'Connell does basically everything for that offense. He designs the plays, he scripts them for the first drives of the game. Um. You know, he's all over, he's a, he's a player's coach. Um. The only question mark is he, he doesn't call plays. So, you know, that's, that's a little question mark. But again, I mean, Zach Taylor, um, you know, really beat that argument considering that Zach Taylor's in the Super Bowl against, um, against McVay and he was the quarterback's coach for Jared Goff. He wasn't even an offensive coordinator when he got hired. So, I mean, I got to trust the McVay tree. And uh, overall, I mean, this is it's a good hire. And uh, a lot of just getting a lot of praise for the hiring of him. And I mean, when you choose Kevin O'Connell over Jim Harbaugh, um, that says something. So there's obviously something there that either I'm not seeing or someone else isn't seeing. And maybe the Vikings have a hidden gem. But I do think um, hiring this young of a coach, even though he was Kirk Cousins is a uh, quarterback coach in Washington for a year. Um, I do think this ends up leading to a Kirk Cousins trade and the Vikings are going to be heading towards a little mini rebuild.
0: Yeah. Um, sorry to see if she was working with Zoom. Is that you're on mute? Then you're scrambled to unmute yourself. Um, yeah, all very valid points here. Um, Kirk Cousins trade. What team would be dumb enough to pick that contract up?
2: Oh, I mean, there, there's a lot of teams that are gonna. No, have interest-
0: I I'm just messing with you. Uh,
2: I mean, uh, hey, I've Carolina. Thought,
0: I've always thought Cousins was a little uh, overpaid, but.
2: Uh, I'm with you on that.
0: Especially his original contract when he first came to Minnesota. A fully guaranteed contract. Never heard of that, but. Uh, he's had his ups and downs, but uh, a trade. It's a—it's uh, an interesting proposition there. Uh, um, a new coach that actually took the job this time instead of bailing out of his team at the last second is Las Vegas Raiders head coach. Who is it, Trenton?
1: Uh it's the uh, the favorite former Broncos coach, <laughs> <laughs> Josh, Josh McDaniels. McDaniels. Yes. yes yes yes. Josh McDaniels gets another chance at a head coaching opportunity hopefully this time he doesn't drive out the uh current starting quarterback before the season before the season starts and uh yeah I mean you know he gets another chance another shot at it he's had success in uh New England right now crafting an offense around the strengths of Mac Jones. So, I mean, supposedly he went to the Raiders and gave a very detailed plan about how he wants to craft an offense around Carr. So, if he can do it, then all the more power to him. We'll see how this one turns out. There's the difference
0: in that statement, though, is that you're crafting an offense around an – what is he eighth year or ninth year NFL veteran player who's proven he's to have 30. success. He's proven to have success. And he's a talented player, but Mac Jones was a rookie. So you're, you're literally molding him from scratch and David, uh, sorry, Derek Carr has been around the league for a long time now. And he's already accumulated so much knowledge. And so it can't be a full revamp. It'll be, have to be a partnership because, uh, again, Derek Carr has the amazing talent and he's a great quarterback in his own right, even though his teams haven't been always the best. But uh, just to see where McDaniels takes this uh, Raiders team will be quite interesting to follow.
2: Yeah, I think he's the guy for the job. He's more mature this time around, um, considering that the first time in Denver, he was just not ready and uh you know i this is this is just such a raiders hire to me i don't know if you guys get that vibe but it just seems like mcdaniel was just meant to be a raider um new England, i think the biggest loser in this is the new england patriots because i think mcdaniels deserves a lot of credit for their success the past few years especially when brady was there and then mac jones now um, so i mean i think it's a big loss but um overall i think mcdaniels is a really good hire Raiders could easily be a playoff team once again next year. He McDaniels is a better hire than Bisaccia by far.
0: Yeah, and we still have a couple of teams looking for coaches and uh Trenton's favorite team, who he's writing the fifteenth volume of his never ending series, is interested in interviewing Josh McCown,
1: of all people. Yeah, um, I've always been a fan of McCown as a player, so maybe I'm a little biased here. But, I mean, if he can, if he can manage to land a head coaching gig uh, in the NFL with his only previous experiences in coaching being uh, in high school, I'm going to be very impressed. Amy- what are you? But are you going to be impressed? Because it's the Texans who are making the pick. I mean, well, well, I'm going to be impressed. I'm going to be impressed with Josh McCown. I'm not going to be impressed with the the Texans. <laughs> Good. Job. I think
2: McCown's got a real shot, guys. <laughs> I, I I really do. I think he's got a real shot because he's made an impression on them for years. Simply because when he the dude's always injured. So, like, whenever he was hurt or on IR, he was right next to the coaching staff, and he was always – he was helping call plays in his headset when he was uh, – he, he was a quarterback's coach. They hired him as a like, quarterback's coach, and then he became like a third-string quarterback or something. Uh, as much as I love uh, Josh McCown, I think this job's going to go to Jonathan Gannon. He's made a really big impression around the league. Uh, he is the Eagles DC this season and used to be the Vikings defensive backs coach. Um, But no, I mean, Jonathan Gannon has made a very big impression around the league when it comes to when it comes to simply just talking football, having a vision, a plan. He's a player's coach. Um, So I think Gannon's going to lock this job up pretty easily. Uh, So we'll see how it goes. And I know Flores is a finalist, but with all the legal issues going on, um, it would just be a PR nightmare to hire Bride Flores, right now, with everything going on, it'd be a really big distraction for the team.
0: So, All I think our success story, though, too. Could yeah, be a chance on a guy, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I think he have, knows that he's probably done. Yeah. So, when you have why. McNair as the owner, I mean, he's, oh, no, he's been known to be happening, ready. not not in Houston, yeah, in like Miami or somewhere, or no, not even Miami because he just got fired out of there in New Orleans. I meant he could potentially fit in there, but. That's uh, still, yeah, as you were saying, sorry.
2: Oh, no, no. I mean, you're good. It's just, I just, I don't think Flores, I mean, I, I think Flores will get a job eventually again. Um, I just don't think right now is the time that he'll get one with everything going on. I do think he, I think he had a, a legitimate chance for the Saints job and the Texas job before the lawsuit. So, I mean, in a way, he might have hurt himself in the short term, but I think in the long term, he set himself up for a lot of success and a lot of respect around the league. Because even if he doesn't get a job, um, I wouldn't be shocked if he got into broadcasting or like, as in like an analyst or something. You know, something. Because, you know, he's, he has a voice and he could be on TV. And I think he's just a polarizing figure. So another job we didn't talk about, though, was the Dolphins. Um, I believe Mike McDaniel was probably the favorite to get that job.
1: I mean,
0: whoever Miami goes with it, it's going to have to be in regards to coaching up Tua. So I I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's a name that's crossed my radar just recently just because of him with the uh He's a run game or-
2: yeah, he was big in their run game as a run game coordinator. That's why Miami's interested in him. They want to start running the ball and take a lot of pressure off Tua. And dude's just a quirky guy. Dude's funny. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think he'll be a good hire, and I think that's the type of guy they need right now with everything going on. They they need someone who's a little loose and easygoing.
1: I, I definitely like uh, listening to his interviews and press conferences. He's wildly entertaining yes. and not like the – not the typical kind of like tough guy, NFL head coach or, you know, coordinators that you're used to seeing, but he's just like, I mean, he just seems like a fun guy. Seems like a kind of guy that, I don't know, plays board games on the weekend or something, you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he actually is, he, he, he's a recovering alcoholic actually. And uh, when he joined Shanahan's staff, you know, he really got it together. He got married. He's a good guy. He just looks like that guy who, would like, would beat you in Call of Duty and drink a Mountain Dew at 3 <laughs> in the morning. Like, ha ah, you. The guy, I got just you. the guy
0: you can relate to.
2: Yeah, you know, and I think that's what you need to be a successful head coach nowadays in the league. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see what happens next time we have a podcast and see where the job should hopefully be official by then within the week.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um... Then the last opening is the Saints job, and that recent that only only recently opened up, so they still got a lot of room and time, I think. But uh it'd be interesting see where they go in that regard with the Saints. But I think their search is still in its early stages to give a proper analysis of where things lie. Um all right, we had two games last week. We're not gonna be picking the Super Bowl this week, we'll do that on our preview episode next week and hopefully with Super Bowl media days coming up and all these uh, storylines there'll be a lot more interesting things to talk about and the NFL honors also is next Thursday which is usually when we record our shows when we do it in person so that'll be interesting to see who gets those uh, awards we'll be predicting those but to close out the show for this week guys uh, let's just give your thoughts on the two championship games that we have. The first was the, um, the Bengals and the Chiefs. Um, the Bengals point out the upset over the Chiefs, and the Chiefs will not be going to the Super Bowl, and Trenton will not be seeing Jackson Mahomes dance on TikTok.
2: What a shame. You know, Thank we owe you. the world to Joe
0: Burrow.
2: You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Joe – that's all I gotta say about that game, man. Joe Burrow, just you can never count this guy out. He will always get it done. Whether it was a Titans game when he gets sacked nine times and he still finds a way to win. I mean, they were down like eight, like 21 to 3. And they came back. And Joe Burrow just got it done. And he went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. They went to overtime. And I thought, oh man, as soon as the Chiefs get the ball here, great. You know. But then eventually, uh, you know, they Mahomes just he choked that's simply what happened he threw the interception in overtime and that was it it was over I mean Joe Burrow and them just went downfield they drained him as much clock they got as close as they could and Patrick Mahomes choked so I think that's the story of the game and I think Joe Burrow did phenomenal and honestly I don't know if you could even count them out of the Super Bowl like they could just go on like they like the, they could win like it's just crazy that this franchise was like the laughingstock of the league, and then boom, you draft Joe Burrow, and he makes everyone around him better. Um, he gives me like that Tom Brady type of vibe, where just his presence alone, him being around, means you're you're never out of this game. You just you're just not. So I think he deserves a lot of credit, and uh, the Bengals, they 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 earned it. They they fought, they battled to this point, and uh, they should really be proud of themselves, even if they lose the Super Bowl. Uh, this You were not expected to be here.
0: Why I haven't been able to make a pick yet for the game, and I probably won't until our show next week because I've been going back and forth between both teams and just because of the – there's no outright favorite, in my view, for this game. And it just also shows that uh, if you do win the coin toss in overtime, you aren't guaranteed to
1: win, not every week, Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. yep. Yeah and uh, I mean I guess something interesting I saw recently is that NBC had to do a a full photo shoot with the Bengals because the Bengals hadn't played on Sunday night or Monday night the entire year so NBC had like no no pictures NBC's like oh they're going to the Super Bowl we have nothing on them We we need to bring them in and get all their pictures and everything together before the big game. So, yeah, I mean, they've been – they've been counted out a lot before, and, uh, you know, now they've, now they've made it.
0: Chris Collins is calling the game too, a former Bengals wide receiver who played in their last Super Bowl. So, that's
1: a nice headline. All right, and uh, we had another game – As well, this one is uh the battle of the NFC West, which was the 49ers and the Rams. This was uh, this was not quite the crazy offensive game that the Bengals and Chiefs would, but it was still close and it was still a, uh, a very competitive game in its own way.
2: It was, and I think Jaquiski Tark, um, he's going to have nightmares. Because if he picks off Matthew Stafford uh, late in the third or early fourth quarter, uh, the Niners are in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, in the fact that he didn't drop it, it led to a Cooper Cup touchdown drive, and then eventually it was just all Rams momentum. Uh, you know, Stafford has been extremely impressive. And the Rams, I, the Rams are just the most complete team. You know, after they beat the Bucks, you know, they just offense, defense, run game, coaching – um, they're just the most complete team right now. And when you trade away all of your draft picks to get uh, the Jalen Ramseys, the Von Millers, um, you sign an Odell Beckham Jr. to a cheap deal, paying him in, in crypto or whatever. You're not even paying him an, an actual, like, salary. Um
0: his, a bad you know, move on his part, though, because the value of crypto has declined so much that his contract yeah. isn't even what it used to be. That's yeah, another, that's another point. Let's yeah, I go.
2: heard he lost like 300 grand or something like that in his salary or something. It was insane. But um, overall, this game was really good. It's just, you know, if anybody was playing quarterback besides Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, the 49ers probably win this game. That final drive was just horrendous. And when the um, when he threw the interception to pretty much seal the game, I mean, he was there's nothing he could do. There was five, six guys running after him. He just threw it up. It you just shows off. it
0: just shows the playing fantasy football in real life can pay off sometimes.
2: Yeah, what are draft picks? Wes neat.
0: <laughs> well, the the whole storyline with the Rams would be like if they didn't make it to the Super Bowl, it'd be a disappointment. And now they're there in their home stadium with the potential to win the game now and just to show that all the effort they put in to win now is working. So But everyone's goal is to always win the championship that year, not five years from now. So the Rams are in the position to do it, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how they how they take it from here. Absolutely. Uh, So I think that does it, guys. Unless you have anything else to add here, I mean, we'll get more in depth with these two teams in the week to come. But uh, I think that's it for this episode of the By the Laces podcast. We'll be back next week with our Super Bowl preview. Uh, we hope you all have a great rest of the week. Don't forget to follow us at malik 15 uh, Trenton underscore Sito, and ThomasKorski33. Please stay safe and uh, enjoy the Pro Bowl. Forgot the, forgot to mention that's this week, but uh,
1: and also oh, yeah. <laughs> as a
0: as a side note here for uh, any Bears fans, uh, today fifteen years ago Devin Hester started off Super Bowl forty one by returning the opening kickoff for a ninety two yard touchdown. I just thought that uh, nice way to close off the show was with a mention of a Devin Hester kick return. <laughs> Future Hall of Famer Devin Hester, which he could be Hall of Famer by the around next week's episode. For all we know, certainly possible.
1: All right, so that does it for us, and uh, thank you.